And welcome to episode 8 of The Tech Garage. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And today we're going to be bringing you a lot of exciting stuff. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, human-computer interaction. Uh, We're going to talk maybe a bit about um, some cool robotic stuff that I came across this week. And then um, maybe, just maybe, we'll get a chance to talk about some uh, cool video games and shit. Yeah, and what do you think the odds are we'll talk about something else also? Um, I'm guessing uh, <laughs> like non-trivial. Something, something that we haven't thought about yet. Okay, but up for our very first topic. Check this out, guys. It's going to be really cool. Wait for it. Next up, the Tech Garage News. <laughs> That's right. We figured out how to integrate drops into the show. That's uh, the yeah. first news item. Yeah. Um, the, we sec- just, the, the next thing we have to figure out is how to actually drop them when we want to. <laughs> exactly. I have to sort out when to execute. Without um, a three-second delay. Yeah. That, like, it, we're, we're working on it. It's you know room yeah. for improvement. Um, the next exciting news is um, for all of our listeners out there that have heard of Facebook. Um, it, anybody? What's, uh, what's, what's this Facebook? I, I don't know. My wife told me I needed to use it, though. So we actually now have our very own uh, Tech Garage Facebook page. If you go to uh, facebook.com, whack the Tech Garage um, you'll be able to get updates from what we're thinking about, things we're doing outside of the podcast, and uh, also quick links for where to download the podcast so yeah. that you can get it faster and easier than either if you don't you know, use iTunes. Actually, and, and hopefully we'll have, a, uh, we'll have the uh, Tech Garageville game on there soon. <laughs> hey, uh, actually, have you, have you checked in on uh, Zoom? Have we gotten published on I there gotta, yet? I got to check that out again. I haven't figured out why it's not uh, ingesting our, our feed. You can actually, if you add our RSS feed into your your Zune client, you can um, you can self pull it, but you can't search on our stuff yet. So okay, if well, you if you do use Microsoft uh, stuff and you use Zune for your for your music player, just add our RSS feed um, into Zune and 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 you'll you, you'll download them without any other uh, interactions. Cool. Well, I will uh, I will add uh, the RSS link to our show notes so that anybody that's listening can uh, All right. go ahead and get that. So um, this week, I have noticed a bunch of different articles about robots. Yeah, yeah, um, and some of them were really cool robots, and some of them were like, uh, like they seem to be taking a couple of different approaches. There was the uh, let's let's emulate a human robot, and the mm, let's emulate uh, rabbits. <laughs> yeah, and and what I always thought about as I was a kid, I was like, "Hey, robots! This is gonna be sweet." And you always thought back to like, uh, you know, sci-fi, whatever. The Terminator. Yeah, the Terminator. Well, and even before that, you know, Robbie the Robot or or whatever. Danger, Will Robbins. Uh, <laughs> but what you what what robots actually ended up being, and you're a little disappointed when you grow up and you're like, "Oh, sweet robots are these one arm armatures in the Ford Auto Factory that that can weld and they're." Uh, don't forget the robots that um, arrange boxes and put them on trucks for yeah, like, UPS. Yeah, which and is which is uh, they're all special use robots, right? Yeah, There's not a general purpose robot like uh, any of the robots we grew up with: C three PO, R two D two, yeah, even Rosie from the Jetsons. And right? I'm sure that the, uh, the the corporations that are using those to improve their manufacturing costs love them. Oh but, yeah, uh, but but. Until Roomba came out. Oh, my Roomba is awesome. Nobody really had robots in their home. And I even think that Roomba is a stretch of calling it a robot. You know, uh, it's a self-propelled vacuum cleaner. It depends on what you quantify a robot as, right? If you're looking at it as an autonomous item or an autonomous thing that can get a job done, then the Roomba is totally a uh, robot. If you're talking about something that's going to be like, uh, you know, Taking arbitrary commands and executing them for you—that's that's that's what I want. I see. I want when yeah. you come now, what home, exactly do you want in a robot, Matt? Uh, so when you come, well, I want I wanted to say, hey, Matt, how's it going? When I walk home, and when I, when you walk in your door, does your Roomba ever welcome you home? 
Um, sometimes she goes, boop, boop, error, error. <laughs> um, or please remove Roomba from under couch. Really? It's got, it's got yeah, that? Yeah, she's got a voice on her. That's actually why we call it a hers, because it's a female voice that talks when she has okay. problems. Which is less threatening. Yeah, it, it is. And ac- actually, if, if, if you walked in and you were like, remove the Roomba from under the couch. It's like, hey, motherfucker, what am I doing under this goddamn couch? You'd be a little bit creeped out. Yeah, You'd be like, like I don't think I want to touch the Roomba. It's it like, sounds, I, Mr. It sounds T seems aggressive. to have possessed my Roomba. I'm a little concerned here. Yeah, actually, our Roomba um, inherited a name. We have uh, our nephew. He's uh, back when he was four, you know, like last year. Um, he came over to the house and was looking at uh, the room, and he's like, what's her name? And we're like, A, you've not heard her talk. How do you know it's a her? And B, I'd never actually considered naming the ro- the, the vacuum cleaner before. But it's kind of weird because you're now anthropomorphizing a little dot, which yeah. is what we ended up naming her. Because a dot. Uh, yeah. It's great. Yeah. But uh, the robot that we actually... Is that short for Dorothy? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Wow, I have not thought of the Animaniacs in a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> so the uh, robot we were actually wanting to talk about was made by um, research... But you named your robot Dot, and you don't think of the Animaniacs every time you say that? No, no, I didn't. Um, but now I will. If only we had a robot that sounded like Ringo. Or not Ringo. God damn it. I'm That's so close fired. Enough. Close enough. <laughs> um, so the robot we were actually talking about was built by... Uh, or it was kind of the conceptual idea was by Owen Holland. He's from the University of Belgrade's ETF Robotics Department. And what he did is he went and took a... Uh, you, he found a guy. What? You have no idea where Belgrade is, do you? It's in Ireland. Screw you. Ha! I didn't even have to check that out, guys. That was in my head. Nice job. Yeah. Um, I, I did find out today that we're more... Or not today, yesterday, that uh, we're actually more north than New York, which was a bit of a shock. Right here where we're at right now? Yeah. Yeah. That was surprising. I was like, holy fuck, really? Um, yeah. But uh, so anyways, uh, most people, when they try and build a robot, what they do is they go like, we're going to make it for this activity or that activity, and we're going to try and re-engineer all the neat shit that we can. Uh, what, uh, what Owen did, is like, hey, look, there's this thing that's been around for a long time. It's had a lot of time to kind of build itself up and be a, a fairly solid way of solving the problem. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, mimic that. And what he decided to do is go, hey, you know, these human things, they're, uh, they're, they're pretty well versed in moving around the world doing a bunch of shit. So uh, he took uh, basically the human skeleton, made it out of plastic, took all of the uh, little, uh, oh crap, what are those things called? The muscles. muscles. Yeah, muscles. Tendons, muscles. Yeah, and he uh, mimicked all of those with string and has a fairly solidly functioning robot that can move like a human. Now, some of the other interesting things about it are uh, humans, we have a spine, right? His robot also has a spine. Yep we need to sleep at night so that our spine can kind of relax, decompress, and not be all, like, jammed up in there. His robot's the same way, so he's taking basically all of the design principles available for the human body and leveraging them into a robot that looks and interacts with things just like we do. Yeah. Which, um, there's a lot of talk in, uh, what, robotic circles and kind of AI circles that it's really difficult to get a uh, intelligence to kind of emerge unless it can have some way of interacting with, uh, with the world. That's why a lot of AI... I, I can see that. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah, and that's why a lot of the futurists aren't really concerned about Skynet taking over because Skynet is just a, uh, you know, box of computers. Unless, of course, you watch the Sarah um, Connor Chronicles, which I'm, pr- I'm only about uh, halfway through the second season, but it looks like they're actually going to say that Skynet is a robot that is 
a individual an robot. individual robot is, that is just connected to all of the Skynetty stuff. So ignore robot. the net of Skynet. It's Skybot. Well, it's Skybot is the aspect of Skynet that's yeah, interacting that's with the, the human evil. world. Yeah, I see. Well, so if you took out the the that one robot, you'd save John Connor, then, right? Yeah, basically. Hmm. It, then you'd be stuck with a bunch of other weird concerns, like how did John Connor get saved if there were no robots ever or no Terminators right. ever created because there'd be all kinds of weird time paradoxes that don't exist in any of the Terminator movies yet well thankfully the they've really just kind of gone a whole different route with time travel in the Terminator movies where they're like fuck consistency yeah yeah um, so yeah we a, don't even need to have the actor look the same <laughs> yeah that's yeah they, they do really well there um, but anyway so uh, this uh, I think it's called the Eki robot I'm really not sure how to pronounce that. It's E-C-C-E-R-O-B-O-T. Um, but it looks pretty slick. It's got a big old eye on it. It's a Cyclops, which was the yeah. kind of odd piece of that. I don't know why you'd create a Cyclops robot. I don't know. It, to make it look like the Geth from Mass Effect, I think. <laughs> it, do you really want a robot to um, kind of be like on your, on your is that fucker going to kill me I, list I, as you're uh, yeah. walking through the house? I think if he, they could put a friendlier face on it, that would be their, their first step to getting it to interact with people. Like Pam Anderson? Uh, yeah, yeah, that would that'd, that, sure. that, that'd work yeah. for you. Yeah, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so pre-show, we were we were we were joking around. I was joking around that I and I I think this is this is legit. I think this means that the the, the next step really. I think robots aren't going to take off. It's going to be the same push as what pushed the internet, which is going to be porn. So when you've got sex bots, they're they're gonna robotics is going to take off. Well, and you know, uh, e- even uh, to take it a step further and kind of integrate it here with uh, the robot that has been designed, long-term, one of the problems with robots is those fuckers are always really super strong. Right. And you don't want them breaking you because, like, well, you know, they're made out of metal and whatnot. Yeah, but especially if it's a sex sex bot, yeah, right? The, it's got to be soft and squishy. Yeah, so and, and the last thing you want is your sex bot to accidentally break your neck. Or penis. That, too. That would be yeah. bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, the sex bot actually has a long and proud history. If you look, there's uh, fembots in uh, Austin Powers. Austin Powers. Movies, yeah. uh, there was the robot um, in Serenity for uh, Mr. Universe, his yeah, uh, yeah, wife. Yeah, yeah. It, they seem to have a happy relationship. Right? Yeah. She even got to say, Mal, he killed me with his sword, Mal. <laughs> Which, you know, I mean. Yeah. Uh, ha- we've all, we've is, all heard that line. Really? Yeah. People watch the show? He killed me with a sword, Mal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, from the slightly... <laughs> I think that's been thrown out a few times when we're playing Halo when somebody kills me <laughs> with a plasma sword. He killed uh, me with a sword, Mal. See, see I'm surprised. I wouldn't uh, pick most of the folks that we play Halo with to know much about Serenity, strangely. Well, uh, <laughs> Is this one of those secondary aspects where they don't actually know where it comes from? No, they just repeat it? No, no, no. no. So uh, um, Justin's wife uh, hooked, got, um, I don't know, hooked on Firefly. Yep. And apparently her, her M.O. for when she finds a show that she watch, likes a mm-hmm. lot, she watches it th- through the entire series. Right. And then she watches it again. All right. Through the entire series. Yeah. And then she watches it again. So does she take notes or... Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. This is... Like, how um, many times do you have to... Like, okay, so I've watched Firefly dozens of times because... Right. Like, I like to but have But not back to back. No, not back to back. It's right. like, okay, I'm going to sit down. I've got this thing I need to get busted out this weekend. I'm going to watch fucking Firefly while I do it. Yeah. I don't know why you'd watch back to back to back to back to back anything. I, I don't know. And and so so watch the entire series right. and then watch the movie. Okay. Right? And then do it again. But and then do it again. Like three or four times, which it, it seems like overkill, honestly. And, and the funny thing is <laughs> so so I hope 
this doesn't get they'll out. Never he'll, he'll get in trouble. Um, <laughs> I'll get in trouble? He, he will. Oh, okay. I was uh, like, what am I getting in trouble for here? He'll like be like, uh, oh my God, this guy's going to die. And she'll be, shut up. <laughs> like, it's wait, a surprise. She, she, on the second viewing, she's like, wait, I didn't know this was going to happen. I, I, I she, don't she's understand. worried it's going to ruin it for the cats or the kids or I something. Don't know. I that's don't know. That's fucking weird. So anyway, so that's how he he's, he knows that line, and then he repeats it when we play Halo, and then that's how. You I know, like I was actually rewatching Serenity lately, and I noticed something that I hadn't noticed the first dozen or so times that I'd watched it. Uh, uh, Wash doesn't really have any good lines in that whole movie. He's all like. You know when you have a when you have a because he had all the good lines in the TV like shows. the TV show he was all over the great yeah. lines and then in the movie his single role was and now we're going to do this <laughs> and I was like how did I not fucking notice this and before? then he dies and, and then they kill him like the only time he does have a good lines is right before he dies right uh, something like I'm a leaf on the wind yeah right yeah and like it's, it's just it, Rewatch Serenity and tell me that they're not just using Wash to further the plot. Uh, I'm going to watch that now. Like, he's like, and redirect. Maybe we should go see Mr. Universe. Fucking really? That's, like, seriously? That's the best line you can come up with for him? Um, This has been Serenity Talk. Uh, (laughs) Maybe next week we'll do some uh, spoilers on Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, Let's not do that. Dick. (laughs) Okay, so uh, from human robots made out of plastic and string onto... Sex bots. That's the next logical step. <laughs> right. Oh, sorry, Except for the fact that the Japanese that, yeah. are going to be involved in this, so we're actually going to probably end up with anime-looking robots that are shaped like mice or rabbits right, or something, right? right. Yeah. Now it's disturbing. Yeah. Well, welcome to wor- the world. I, actually, the next robot we want to talk about is Carrots. It's a robot made by a French company. It looks like a little, uh, a little rabbit. It's got, you know, rabbit ears on the top. It's kind of cute, yeah. Yeah, and it can do a lot of cool stuff. It's got an integrated camera built in. It can uh, connect up to the internet, obviously. It can read out your uh, Twitter feeds for you. It can uh, function as, like, a uh, um, security camera. It comes with little uh, um, RFID fobs that uh, you can use to kind of scan it to recognize whatever's going on. You can have it take a picture. You can have it, uh, um, you know, go, hey, this person's around. Uh, apparently, according to its literature, it can even teach you another language. Really? Yeah, which I thought was kind of weird. Huh. But, like, so huh. the, the other neat thing about the carrots is they can talk to each other. Do you remember back uh, in the, uh, oh, what was that, the 90s, when they came out with those little uh, oh, the plush l- robots yeah, that had their yeah. own language and they could all yeah, talk to each other? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I wanted one of those really bad. Yeah, me too. They were really neat. But, you know, as a 30-year-old man, it's kind of hard to uh, justify a going and now. buying yeah. a... Uh, a flush robot. Oh, we could probably get them on eBay. We could <laughs> <laughs> we'd probably get one each on eBay, and we could bring them in, and they could talk so, to each other. Speaking of getting things on eBay, I was at, uh, for those of you who don't know, I sit on the board of a uh, music charity called Dace's Rock and More Music Academy. We opened a new location up in Renton recently, or Redmond, excuse me, and I was up there last night fixing some computers because, you know, my gig, and uh, there was a, uh, a jukebox there. Okay. And I was like, Wait, when did we get a jukebox? And Dace is like, "Hey, it's uh, you know, it's my grandma's. It's been sitting in a garage for a bunch of years. It doesn't work." Um, I'm like, "Really?" Because <laughs> you want to bet? Yeah, it, it only takes a few words to get me going. I'm gonna fix this shit. Right. And uh, it doesn't work. Is apparently like the winner. So I'm like, how do how do we get in here? So he lifts it up, and I'm looking in there. And um, for those of you that may not know how jukeboxes work. Um, because, you know, you were born in the last two decades. So this is like a 1950s jukebox. It, like, it was late 50s, early 60s jukebox. It's got little 45s in it. Yeah. Uh, it's got a, a kind of shuttle that goes back and forth, grabs the um, 
records out. Are any of the 45s any good? Like, is it good music, or is it like... <laughs> so I think, if I remember right, there's 200, um, 200 records in there, and they run the gamut from polka to country to early rock and roll. Okay, so, so one-third might be okay. Exactly. There's probably some... Like, I was looking through the people on there, and I hadn't heard of half of them, so, like, part of me is really interested to see what it sounds like. Yeah. And so I'm looking at it going, okay, I don't know how these fuckers work. I mean, I, I see the records there, and it looks like the records tip out into the little play thing. Yeah, and play things little robotics that move the... Yeah, yeah, I mean, so I'm like... And this thing was built in the fucking 50s, or 60s, right? I haven't really decided which... I should be able to figure out how this works. Yeah. So I'm looking at it, and it's got two records that are kind of both leaned forward, like halfway into the little playing carousel thing, and that's kind of why it won't do anything. So I'm like, well, I don't know how this works. I'm just going to stick my arm in here and start playing with shit. Because <laughs> the records, like when you push them down to go back, you would, they would push in, and then if you let your finger up, they would slowly kind of come forward again. So I'm like, okay. oh, there's probably some kind of arm in there. So you know, I take my arm and I jam it in a you know fifty year old machine and start touching shit while the power's on. Good idea. Obviously, a, a smart bet. And then I find a little arm that's holding me, and I press the arm down, and they roll back and stay. I'm like sweet, let the arm up. They come out. I'm like okay, press the arm down until I find it. It's a little catch mechanism. Yeah. It catches. I hit the. Um, I find this little leather switch on the bottom of the uh, carousel. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck that does. Flick. <laughs> so I flip the switch and it goes and starts to move one way. And then it, that little switch hits another little uh, chunk of metal and dunk, zzz, it goes back to the next way. I'm like, well, that controls direction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're learning shit here. And I figured the uh, the reason that it was... Did damp- you say it was a leather switch? Yeah, it's a leather switch. It's like a little uh, chunk of metal with a leather tab on it. Wow. Yeah. That's weird. Isn't it, though? It's like, yeah. th- this is re- like the... Uh, the amplification is all handled by tubes. Yeah. So, so it's actually a tube amp and yeah, everything in it's there. It's a tube amp in there playing records with like all of these fucking breakers and switches and whatnot. I, I found the, <laughs> this was the greatest thing. So for those of you that maybe haven't taken a w- apart uh, jukeboxes, ski ball machines, pinball machines, whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which I strangely find myself doing fairly regularly. Um, when you're inside of these machines, there's usually labels on stuff, right? That says like, this is what this does. This is what this does. Yeah. And sometimes you can find a whole book inside of them that yeah. will tell you exactly how to fix it. Exactly. And so, like, I was nudging around looking for that, and I found uh, a little section. There's uh, inside of it, there's uh, it's marked play for one of them. One of them is uh, diagnostic. And I'm like, okay, so obviously the play is the method you want to play in. The diagnostics is where you have diagnostics. Um, and then there's another red button there. You know what it was labeled? Uh, no. Button. <laughs> And I was like, whoa, hold on. So this little thingy that you press that goes in and out is a fucking button? Wow. Without that label, I never would have known that. You would have thought maybe it was a light or a I know. I'm like, I don't know what this is. Is Maybe it's a knob. (laughs) Exactly. I was like, I don't know. Maybe it's just for looks. So, uh, yeah, but uh, I found that the reason that the whole thing had bound up was that we had uh, two records in the same slot. So when that armature lifted to pump the record out, it actually pushed two out. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, got that out of the way, moved one of the records, and ta-da. And this thing probably hasn't worked in 30 years. Uh, yeah, Dave says the last time he remembers it working was when he was a kid. Like, so that was, like, at least 25 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So we, we, we were, like, totally excited. We were actually supposed to be, uh, you know, doing something else. And I'm like, no, I'm going to sit here and do this. And we got it to the point where I could get it to go back and forth, and that's it. It yeah. would never actually grab a goddamn record. And I was like, Arr! So last night I had the opportunity to go on the internet and start looking up uh, um, jukeboxes. 
Now, for those of you that don't know, the people that work on 60-year-old technology do not have what you'd call internet savvy. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. I found a website that is like... Uh, 1996 style yeah, HTML. exactly. And it, is, it was just abysmally bad. But um, the funny thing was is uh, uh, when I finally got to this section of the site that was actually meaningful, it was... Uh, um, this, the machine is made by Seberg, which is... They had like Wurlitzer, Seberg... Um, and I'm blanking on the other companies. They had like basically five companies that made uh, jukeboxes back then, and uh, some there's some interesting aspects to my life. I have found that any time that there's a brand that does something slightly oddly, that's usually the brand I'm going to end up with. It is not like there's like 90 million other people all doing it X way. Yeah. And then there's the brand that I decide to pick that's doing it in a completely different, weird fucking way. Right. So naturally, the uh, first line on the description of the Seaberg is. Seabird does things slightly differently than everybody else. And I'm like, awesome. <laughs> oh, well. But strangely, the uh, problem that we're having where the shuttle goes back and forth, back and forth, is actually the first one that they show you how to troubleshoot in the dock. Oh, nice. So, so I figure I'll be able to get that up and running here in the next week or so. Very cool. Yeah, um, which is a really... Did you figure out what those things are worth? Because they're, they're, they're kind of valuable, aren't um, they? Like antique yeah, jukeboxes? Yeah, I found one. The I could only find one for... Sa- actually, I only could find one on anywhere. It was on eBay that had been sold recently, and it was torn to shit, and it was like 400 bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one at Rock and More is in really good case. I mean, in good shape. It's got, yeah. um, its front window panel has a crack on it, um, and then there's um, just dirt that needs to be cleaned up. But other yeah. than that, it's, it's really wow. nice looking. Cool. So yeah, that should be really slick once we get it back and running. Um, so back to the carrots robots. Carrots, <laughs> right. Because that's what we were talking about. Um, I... I as neat as they sound, I'm a little. Uh, I don't know that I need an appliance around myself, my house that reads my Twitter feed to me, or that doesn't have kind of natural interaction with me. Yeah, I, I mean, I could see it being kind of cool. I, I, I could see it being really cool for like three hours, uh, of where 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 it reads off and goes, "Hey, here's here's what the latest status update on Twitter from Conan O'Brien is," or "Hey, so and so posted something about you on Facebook," and or the new Tech Garage podcast is up and you should go download it. Exactly, and and maybe you could even get it to just play it for you. But whatever. Uh, at some point, though, I'm going to be watching a movie and it's going to start yakking at me. I'm going to be like, "Shut the fuck up, carrot!" and, and it's not going to listen, and I'm going to get annoyed. Yeah, and yeah, for me, I already have enough devices that tend to ding and beep and interrupt whatever the hell it is I'm doing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, probably a really cool technology to play with, and I can imagine it being a lot of fun if you're younger. But I don't really see it being a uh, full-on useful uh, thing for adults quite yet. Yeah. Unlike sex robots. It would be nice though if it could. You could just talk to it and say, "Hey, what's my what's what's the most recent few feeds?" So then you, you want to be getting better, like Siri for your carrots. Like Siri for my carrots, yeah. So I love Siri. Siri is awesome when she works, but when she doesn't, Siri is just a dumb, dumb bitch. Yeah, I haven't played with Siri yet. So um, I, I use Siri a lot in my car because um, my car's uh, built-in navigation Bluetooth phone system takes like 10 minutes to call my wife. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> right. And like I just go, Siri, call Sydney's cell. Right. And... She goes and finds Sydney's cell, calls her, and ta-da, I'm connected. Or I can tell Siri, hey, Siri, play um, the Beatles. And now, will it do that through your car? Yeah. Okay, so you just, but you have to press your, your button on your iPhone yep, first? exactly. Why can't, why don't they have it so the Bluetooth integration in, in the phones integrates with, here's just the 
button to push on the phone, right? So so remove all the right. logic from from the Bluetooth car of having an address book and all that other stuff and just say, here's a button that ties back into um, the, whatever device it is. And if it's got a button to push, to activate, listen, that's what it does. And then they, they, they would have lost, I, I think it's too late for that. Like all the standards well, don't exist probably. And I haven't looked into any of this yet, but I know all the cars that I've seen so far, it's, hey, if I press the, the make a call button, what ends up happening is it it goes to the internal, hey, what's your address book that you've set up all your friends' phone numbers in your car with, right. which is, I, I don't want to deal with doing that. See, my, uh, so I'm going to talk specifically about my implementation in the car. My car actually can talk to my cell phone's phone book through Bluetooth. Okay. So I can tell them, I don't have to sync it to my car's um, address book, but uh, other, car, like what you're talking about with the phone button, right? I can, yeah. uh, I can initiate a phone call really easily. Some models of cars actually do have the equip. Like, if they just press and hold the phone button, right? It acts as the same as pressing and holding your main button on your iPhone, so they can actually okay. Spark so then you Siri. can do that, yeah. Um, it really depends on the auto manufacturer for how that's going to work. Yeah. And as near as I can tell, auto manufacturers haven't done a really good job of coming up with standards. Yeah. Like yeah. some people have their s- approach, some other people have their approach, but I do think we need to move to a world where it's like, okay, look, th- my car should be dumb. It shouldn't have anything complicated, and it should just have quick and easy integration with my phone. Yeah. Because everybody's phone has Bluetooth on it nowadays. Everybody's phone has all of their phone numbers in it. It has all of their videos and songs on it. It has everything you need. And car manufacturers need to stop trying to help us out. Here's my cool, unique thing for Buick. Yeah. Yeah. Like my car, I've got a, uh, there's a hard drive somewhere in there for storing music. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. How useful is that? Have you used it? No, not at all, because right. I have to uh, either plug a USB thumb drive in to copy my music over. Right. And really, the last thing I need is a goddamn sync problem between my phone, my car, my my computer. Yeah. Like, I should just be able to say, hey, Amazon Video, or uh, excuse me, uh, Amazon Cloud Drive has all my cloud music, cloud player, cloud player, there we go. Cloud player has all my music, go find it. Don't don't save it here, but go find it so I can search through it on the little uh, internal dashboard controls and play it. Yep. Oh, that would be so awesome. Um, so while we're talking, while we're on the topic of kind of human interaction here of computers and all that kind of crap, uh, I came across a link this week that I thought was actually kind of slick. Did you get a chance to watch the uh, the uh, tattoo art- artist Carl's video that I sent you? I did. Yeah. So uh, Carl is a tattoo artist from, uh, um, or he's working right now in Paris. And back on uh, June 16th... He, d- he did not sound Parisian, though. No, he didn't. That's, that's why I quickly rerounded what I was <laughs> saying, because he did not sound like he was from there. <laughs> um, but on uh, June 16th, 2011, he did a uh, thing that was brand new. It had never been done before in the tattoo world. He managed to make a tattoo animated. Now, just think about that for a second, guys. Can you imagine a flipbook tattoo? Uh, it would hurt. Yeah, that would be a son of a bitch. Um, and obviously, he didn't go that route. What he did is he uh, gave a guy a tattoo, a big kind of ornate flowery tattoo, which I thought was a little on the girly side for the dude he was putting it on, but whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the middle of the tattoo was a QR code. But what, what I thought was unique, when you originally described this to me, I thought, oh, a QR code, oh, yeah, whatever. It was kind of integrated into the tattoo, so it wasn't just like, if you just looked at the tattoo, you might not initially recognize that as a QR code there. Right. You'd just be like, well, that's a weird-looking pattern in the middle of that exactly. guy's chest. What's he doing there? Yeah. So uh, with the uh, QR code on his chest, they then you know pulled out his iPhone and took a picture of it and 
you know, led him to a link. And then he laid his iPhone down on top of this guy's chest. And the iPhone had a little video on it that, uh, you know, lined up directly with all of the images on his tattoo. And there, where the QR code used to be was a little singing face. Yeah. So he could actually now have kind of a animated tattoo. And the neat part about that is if you're going to be indecisive on tattoos, get a fucking QR code. I and get, then you, you can, can hold your iPhone You can change it to whatever you, you want. Yeah. yeah, you can, yeah. That's been one of the main drawbacks that people complain about tat- or tattoos is that I don't know what I want to put on me forever. <laughs> well, you just slap a fucking QR code on there, and like this week it's a dolphin, next week it's, uh, you know, fucking Megadeths. Right. Lo- and that way you're not stuck to some movie that came out 10 years ago. Who would do something like that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's shocking. Yeah. I think right now Matt is attempting to mock me because I have a Serenity tattoo that I got after right. a Serenity came out. I think my attempt was successful. Yeah, completely <laughs> successful. Uh, why, why don't we take a few minutes and we'll just call... Uh, um, I don't uh, have any tattoos. I'm, cl- I'm clear. Yeah, that, that's, that's right. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, Carl is um, uh, it's pretty slick. Uh, we'll post the uh, link in the show notes to take a look at it. But uh, there was something else that I wanted to talk about there. Do you remember what it was? Uh, no, so I'll segue on to uh, other human interactions. Awesome, which, let's do it. Which <laughs> is uh, the Connect. Uh, um, Yes, I have one of those. Yeah. Uh, did, did I, I, go ahead. Did I tell you we had some friends over not too long ago? Uh, it was in the winter, and we have our Connect right above our fireplace. Yeah. And they wanted to play Connect Sports. And I'm like, okay. The fireplace, which, you know, works on a switch, uh, possibly a button, I don't know, um, had been running all day long. We turned it on, and the Connect was doing horrible. It couldn't find me. It didn't know what the shit was going on. And I'm like, <laughs> what in the, f- what is going on here? Hold on. <laughs> and then I remember the Kinect has a infrared, infrared sensor. It's all in infrared. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, okay, hold on, guys. We're going to turn the fire off, wait about 30 minutes. And then <laughs> we've, we got the we've got heat waves running <laughs> exactly. in front of the Kinect screen. We've effectively blinded the Kinect with the uh, fire. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that the Kinect has in it, though, is a microphone. Yes, it does. Actually, it's got more than one microphone. It's got what you'd call an array of microphones. Uh, and uh, in, in is that a zero-based index array or uh? probably? Um, wow, that's called back from like four episodes ago. Yeah, what can you do? <laughs> um, but in Mass Effect Three, you can actually control your character now with voice commands. So, which is kind of cool. Which, and I gotta say, it's kind of cool. I didn't really use it as much as uh, I probably could have in the game. Uh, there's a lot of. Um, you know, hey, open the door. And, and in some cases, it's easier to just open the door by pressing the A button. See, that's what I was going to ask about, is when I'm playing video games, um, usually my vocalizations are reserved for, fuck, fuck, shit, fuck, god damn it, motherfucker. Yeah. And if I'm busy swearing, it's going to be really hard for me to switch to my shotgun. Yeah, well, what it does is when, it, when you're swearing and stuff like that, it recognizes that you're talking, but it just kind of comes up with a you know red icon through the, through the <laughs> microphone. So it goes, I didn't really quite understand what you... That's, that's not a command you can use. Right. Um, do, do you find that the, uh, the voice interactions actually kind of enhance the game, or are they just kind of an extra bell and whistle? That I is, thought uh, it was a little bit of a bell and... For, for, so I'll, I'll go into more detail here. I thought for Mass Effect, I thought it was a little bit of a bell and whistle. It was kind of like, hey, I want to try this out. I want to see what it does. So it's kind of cool. And I could never quite remember, you know, oh, switch to shotgun or, you know, cryoblast or whatever. Right. And so I mostly used it for, you know, use that thing or open the door or whatever. And then I kind of found that it's just easier to just press the A button. So I tended yeah. to not really use it. Uh, that said, I was looking at an update um, for Skyrim. Okay. Uh, that's coming out soon, which is 
adding in Connect uh, interface mm-hmm. to all of Skyrim, and it looked more in depth. And a lot of the reason it looks more in depth because there's things you could do when you're playing Skyrim that you would have to drop into a menu system right. to go. You know, like what? Give me an example. Uh, if I want to um, change my um, if I want to change from like a, a sword in my hands mm-hmm. to an axe and a shield, I kind of got to go into my inventory and say, you know, set up this and, and, and switch these out. I was watching in the demo that they had for it, and it was switched to axe and shield, and it just happens. So I'm, I'm a little shocked here because I, I've not played Skyrim. I don't really play yeah. video games that much anymore. Um, but hasn't the how to swap weapons problem been solved quite effectively on most video games. Yeah, yeah, and there is some hotkeys you could set up for it, but it's 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 a lot more involved to actually go through and set up the hotkeys. Or if I've got for like my character, I'd have a sword and shield and axe and magic spell X, Y, or Z, and so you'd have a whole list oh, of things. Okay. And so your so right, right, right. For the, some of those, the up you'd and down, to, or exactly, um, and you'd have to drop into the menu system to kind of like you know and pause to organize the game for what a you minute. need and yeah. get it ready for. Whereas like, if I just battle. say, "Hey, I want the sh- I want the sword," and right. "Hey, I want this," and "Hey, I want that," and there was a bunch of other things that they had. Uh, oh, you could, which was the one thing that was really cool. Like this is this is really the dorky part, but in um, Skyrim, there was the idea of shouts. So one of your special powers was you would say something in the dragon language. And you would shout at somebody, but that like would make a fucking storm come out of the sky and lightning bolts come down and shit, right? Right. That's your magic power is I can say, shout, right? Let it all out. Uh, so now you can do your shouts in game, which is kind of cool because that's really kind of what the character is doing in some ways. And I can kind of see that being like I, a... Uh, I understand that. Yeah. Uh, and it's... So I uh, back a long time... Or when I bought my Kinect, I kind of went to the store and I'm like, I would like... Uh, every Kinect game you have, please. And one of the ones that I ended up coming home with was a Harry Potter game that had Kinect integration in it. And it was fun. I was playing it. There's a little battle section where you can go through and you can like wave your hand around and different things to cast spells. And it was a lot of fun until my wife comes home. She opens it and she's <laughs> like, what in the fuck are you doing? <laughs> it's like, I'm playing video games. Leave me this shit alone. Well, I'm like waving my hands around and yeah. stuff. And that's the... Uh, yeah, that's that is the drawback to those kind of games. Is it also does limit your playability? Because I don't know about you, but when I do get a chance to play games, it's usually late at night. Yeah, and I can't really uh, be that loud in the living room while uh, jumping up and down and screaming and uh, trying yeah. to you know interact so, with the game. So there's one game that's coming out that I'm really kind of excited about. Um, that I think is really going to be one of the first things. I'm I'm hoping, and from the early you know previews that have been written, I think it's really going to actually use the connect in a meaningful way for the game. You're talking about the Star Wars game, aren't you? I'm not. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. Do you remember Steel Battalion for the original Xbox? Uh, no, I don't. So it was a mech warrior type game. Oh, yes, 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 I do remember that. That came with this massive controller with right. dual uh, joysticks and right. like 79 buttons and switches on the, on the yep. um, yeah. Um, I, I think like people loved it. The people that played it were, mm-hmm. you, the reviews Nerd. on it were like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever and I have to push this button before the thing dies or if I don't eject in time, I lose my save game and all kinds of like quirky right. little kind of, Things like that that they put in the game design. Um, but you also had to buy a $100 controller or something like that that you could only use with that one game, which kind of right. limited, I think, the sell-through for the game. It's kind of a little expensive, 
It's right. kind of specialized to uber geeks. It's also one of those games where you have to invest a lot in the interaction, right? Exactly. You, it's like you can't just button mash. You have yeah. to actually know what you're doing. You have to be methodical. It's the kind of game that a pl- a pl- or It's a like block. a flight sim kind it's of like, yeah, like exactly. learning curve, right? Yeah, and flight sims are awesome, but yeah. you, know, you spend a lot of time crashing the first while. So they're coming out with a sequel to Seal Battalion, and instead of selling you uh, this $100 controller, which mm-hmm. was cool, it was badass, um, they're integrating some of it in with Connect, so you, you'll hmm. control a lot of the stuff with just your your normal controller. But if you reach out in front of you, you can switch one of the switches, which will be on screen. <laughs> that is with cool. With your hand, so I mean, that's the idea: is that like some of the buttons that you'll maybe interact with less are on your TV screen, and if you just reach out with your hand, your little virtual hand will show mm-hmm. up and, and flick that button. Which now you've got basically a yeah, virtual controller that you can interact with still with your hands and everything. I think that might be... Yeah, you're starting to move into the, uh, the oh, god damn it, minority report type space it, with it, the UIs. Yeah, exactly. So See, I, I think that might be... The, I, I'm hoping that this will be the first game that people kind of go, oh, here's what you can really... As opposed to... I mean, there's been a lot of, like, dance games and, and yeah. other things, but they're a little more... Um, they're they're crude. Yeah. Uh, not, not in a bad way, but they're... They're looking at larger scale body motions as opposed to small activities like yeah. a button switch. Yep. So one of the things that I've noticed about the Connect uh, that I dig the Connect, I use it all the time. Um, but when I'm using it, I don't get the kind of visceral feedback that I do in real life. And that's one of those things that I have a really hard time with on both my iPhone and the Connect and anything is because I don't get the feel that there's something actually happening. That that feedback really is meaningful to me. Right. So, that so you I know want some sort going. of force feedback or yeah. some sort of like tactical mm-hmm. something. Yeah, that's uh, really hard to do with with air. Yeah, yeah, I, I can I can see that. I actually was at the uh, Apple Store this week getting my router switched out because mine broken was under a warranty still. Yeah, and I sat there while I was waiting. I was trying to play with an iPad, and I was trying to use the iPad keyboard when it's like in landscape mode and it's almost a regular keyboard size. Yeah. I noticed something really super weird on it. You know when you look at the keyboard and the J and the F have those little nubs on them? Yeah. So you can tell where your home row keys are? Yeah. Those show up in the uh, iPad keyboard, too. As a little dot on? Yeah, as a little nub. They look just like a nub ought to. But that doesn't make any sense. I know. that that Especially since you can't actually just leave your fingers on the home row keys and type on your iPad. You actually have to, you know, right. hover them above. And, and even if you could, you can't feel the nub. Exactly. And I was like... I understand. Um, that sounds like just a st- Apple style thing yeah, that they decided to do. But well, at the end of the day, if you're designing interfaces, right, and there's a kind of generally understood concept that um, you can use to bring people into your uh, interface, yeah, you want to emulate what they're already used to. But really, you're going to emulate something that has absolutely no function, and yeah. it's just like. Yeah, I've weird. got a tail still, but I can't do a goddamn. You know, with speaking it. of those nubs, remember. Uh, Weeks ago, in one of our early podcasts, I was talking about the DOS keyboard that one of my friends was yep. using. Uh, the nubs on there, instead of having nubs, uh, it's actually the keyboards have a significantly deeper contour on them. Really? Or the, 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 yeah, the J and the F are contoured more more deeply, so it's almost like your fingers, your fingers are, kind of fall into it. Yeah, and I felt that I could actually feel that better than I could feel the nubs. Like hmm. a lot of times, I don't notice the nubs, right? Unless I'm actually like going. Or you've worn through the nubs. I've seen your laptop. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's, there's that, too. 
I did wear through an entire keyboard. I mean, I didn't wear through it. Did right. we talk about this? Yeah, I think we okay. talked about this yeah, a few wanna, episodes ago. That's what I, I started. Once <laughs> I started talking about that, I really It does start to get hard to remember what we've talked about on air and what we have talked about off air. Yeah. <laughs> if we listened to our own podcast, we'd probably know more. So, uh, it, oh, as, as I understand it, there's uh, some other games coming out here there soon are. that are, uh, you're a little stoked about. Yeah, so I, I so I played a game that just came out this week on on uh, the arcade. And I, I assume it's available on PlayStation Network and probably a couple other locations also, but it's called Fez. Right. Um, and, it's that, a, and that's available at fezgame.com? Uh, it's available on uh, Xbox Live Arcade. Ah, okay. And probably the PlayStation Network. And you could probably look it up on fezgame.com, though. Yeah, I was there earlier, and it's won a ton of awards. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'd, I'd heard some buzz about it this week. I thought, oh, you, you know what? I should, I should download this and check it out. And, um, it's a 2D platform puzzler. Right. Um, but it's got some really unique aspects to it. Uh, so, and when I first started playing with it, I'm like, oh, okay. 2D act, 2D platform puzzler. Cool. I, I get this. Right. We've all played those before. It, it, it scrolls vertical instead of horizontal. So there's a lot of jumping involved and, and then, uh, oh, hey, cool. I, I realized when you, um, Hit your, you know, one of your side buttons. Uh, the entire perspective will rotate ninety degrees. So what this let you see, lets you do is you can walk uh, in the third dimension as it, you know, it rotates something around. And now I can walk around, say, a cube. Uh, what I didn't realize at first, uh, and until I got a little bit further into the game, and by further I mean like ten minutes in, uh, when the, the the perspective flips ninety degrees, it also then flattens it out. So if something was like uh, 20 feet in front of you on left to right, uh, mm-hmm. and I've rotated the perspective 90 degrees, well, there's no z-axis, there's no depth actually in there, so that thing that was 20 feet in front of me, I'm now effectively even with, and it really is kind of a, it's a little bit of a mind fuck when you're trying to do it, because right. I've never played with anything with that kind of interaction. Well, our brains aren't really designed to transition from, from different dimensions, right? Yeah. To go from a 3D world to a 2D world is not something that we bump into on a daily yeah. basis. It's like playing an MC Escher game, right? <laughs> I mean, that's really like what it's like, wait, this shouldn't connect between here, but it does when I rotate it this way, and so now I can. And, and once you play with it a little bit, you kind of get, okay, I, I get what it's doing. I understand right. it, and it's really kind of cool, but it's still, you'd kinda, it kind of fucks with your head a little bit as you're like, oh, let me just warp. Wait, what the? Oh, wait, okay, I can, I can do this. I can do that. Um, you know, there's a long and proud tradition of uh, video games having slightly odd um, physical realities. Like, you, you remember Asteroids, right? Yeah. A, for those of you young listeners out there, Asteroids is a black and white game where you have a little tiny spaceship that, you know, scrolls around your screen. And if you go up to the top of the screen, your ship appears at the bottom of the screen. Likewise, if you go to the left of your screen, your ship right. appears on the right of the screen. Yep. You're playing basically in a flat plane, but you're not. Do you know what physical yeah, shape that actually is? It, well, I mean, it's like a uh, it's a Taurus. Yeah, exactly. But it's, look at the big brain on Brad. <laughs> Dude, your name's Matt, not Brad. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and and this kind of is taking the same type of approach where we're we're we have a certain kind of dimensionality in the game that has now been abstracted away and is arbitrarily changeable, which is right. kind of the really cool and interesting piece there. It is. It's also really easy to program those warps when you're working on a 2D positioning system. Really? Yeah. How Sorry. so? Well, you just say once... once you, I guess you, you know got the, the bounds, objects. Right, right, you've got the bounds of your, of your screen and, and you know the, the position of your uh, um, object. And if you're uh, 
Y position exceeds the the bounds of your yep. of your image, you just set it back to zero. Mm -hmm. Or if it reaches zero, you set it to the other one. Yeah, that's a pretty slick game. I I'm uh, gonna have to go see if I can get that for the Xbox, so I can <laughs> try playing it. <laughs> yeah. I, no, no, I, I've already uh, Geometry Wars yeah. is my new so one. So, did you have you played other than Geometry Wars? Have you played many of the arcade games on? Uh, Xbox no, not really. So that was one of the things that I was. I got really deep into a few games, and a couple of years ago, some awesome games came out on Xbox Live Arcade. Really, um, like what? The uh, so Braid, which was was an inter another two D platformer mm -hmm. um, that had an interesting time control aspect. So if you you could. On the simplest things, you could rewind time. So if I if I you know fell down a pit that I didn't Prince want to, Prince of Persia style. Prince of Persia, I press a button and time rewinds. But then they started tweaking with that on different levels. So there would be um, things where I would rewind time, and everything except for the character you're playing with would rewind. So all of the other characters on the screen would, would rewind. Go backwards. Would go backwards. Um, could it, it un and you said it could un unwind causal events. So if you yes. fell down, it would unwind that. Yeah. If you'd killed a character, did they reanimate them? It could. It okay. depended on the the, how, the duration. Of yeah. How long so ago they so died depending and how far on back you went. Yeah. And well, no, it, it would rewind all the way to the beginning. So if I was on a, on, so there was different rules got applied depending on which levels you were playing, right? And it would it would clearly explain that to you okay. when you started the level. Here, here's what's going on. Right. But sometimes you would have to take a little bit of time to understand what the effects of those things would be. So yeah. if I was on, like, say, a level where um, two characters were moving in the same direction and mm -hmm. I needed to get to a place where neither of them were, and I think, oh, I can rewind this one, but as I rewind that one, it ends up killing me. And so you would have to um, right. change the way you do things. But you could rewind all the way to the beginning of when you started that level, level basically. I'm actually kind of intrigued by the whole concept mm -hmm. of... Uh, altering dimensions or time as a dimension in the yeah. game, too, because that's typically uh, time in video games runs, you know, a yeah. single straight arrow type approach. But then there would be other aspects where, you know, certain things wouldn't be affected by the re how time rewinds or, you know, time would... It, there was all kinds of weird time warp things. Right. Um, and it was like a, a, an arcade game, so it's a fraction of the cost of a, of, of a full retail game, but it had, you know, it was just... It was a great game. And then there was another game called Shadow Complex, which was actually put out by uh, Epic, the same people who do like Gears of War and did Unreal Tournament. Was that based off of... Um, oh, wait. I it, was, it, was it, did it have anything to do with Ghost in the Shell? No. <laughs> um, it was a, uh, another, a lot of 2D platform type games, but it was more on the lines of... Uh, I don't know if you remember Castlevania from back in the day. Oh, totally. But, that yeah, was yeah. A but Castlevania had like these sprawling. It was like a single level, and you could always go back to anywhere you were at in the uh, in the game. And so it was kind of like that, but it was also a little bit like um, Bionic Commando with some of the behaviors and shooting and stuff. And it was just, I've, I actually ended up playing through. It. I played through it completely, and then like a year later, I was like, I remember that Shadow Complex game, and I ended up playing through it again, an entire another playthrough. Mm -hmm. It was just, it was a lot of. Goodness. Um, Do you know a game I really, really dug back from like the old, old school days that I wish I could play again? Uh, go ahead. DuckTales. DuckTales. Did you ever play the DuckTales I... game for the Xbox? No. Dude, it was awesome. Duck, DuckTales? Yeah. Like, You're not that much younger than me. No, I'm not. <laughs> you mean like DuckTales, like the Donald Duck and his, his three well, Donald, Huey, Dewey, and Louie? Donald wasn't in. It was Uncle Scrooge and Huey, Dewey, oh, and okay. Louie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it was a pretty slick game. You ran around and collected shit and, you know. Really? Yeah, it was. Sort of a retarded version of Sonic the Hedgehog, but yeah. you know, still fun. Huh. Anyway, that's, that's <laughs> odd. Yeah. 
I, I, I didn't know anything about that. I'll find some videos and shoot them your way. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the other game, though, that I, I, I checked out this week was the... Uh, w- and I knew some people were playing on the beta for Diablo 3. Right. Which I think we talked about a few weeks ago, yeah. Diablo, whatnot. It's kind of shocking it's actually come out. It, it's weird, because it's been like 10 years since Diablo 2 came out. Literally 10 years. Um I think it's probably actually not. Well, is it ten or nine or ten? It's on the. It's it's longer than you normally go between video game releases between unless you're the doing sequel. Max Payne. Yeah, um, which is also having a <laughs> sequel coming out anytime now. Um, but this week, and I was like, eh, whatever, Diablo three. And and as the hype's kind of built up to it, now I'm kind of like, yeah, I think I want to check this out. Mm-hmm. And then this weekend they opened up the beta to everyone. Right. So it's unrestricted beta because they wanted to test their servers and. I think their test was valid because initially I couldn't log on and. Uh, Destructive testing is always important. When you yeah, yeah, I think it, I, I gotta I gotta hand it to the guys at Blizzard. I think it was really a good idea to say let's let's open it up to the world and everybody's gonna try and hit it on Friday and let's see what it does to our servers mm-hmm. and let's see what we got to do to to accommodate for that. I think that's way better to do that now during an, an open beta than hey let's launch this on May fourth and then nobody can. I'd be pissed if I'd paid sixty dollars and I couldn't log in. Yeah, as and it was, I'm like. Oh sweet! I get a beta test this, and I can't log in, and that kind of sucks. You ruin to play it, but I can appreciate what they're doing here. And realistically, that's just kind of showing that the uh, the maturity level of the uh, video game industry is increasing. Because back, you know, even ten years ago, when uh, online gaming was just sort of hitting its stride, yeah, that was still very common that you'd get, you know, new game X out, and you'd be like. But the payment processing on Sony has gone down, so I can't actually log in to do anything. Yep. Or yeah. you know whatever. But I was I was really impressed with it. Um, it's definitely an upgrade over Diablo two. Um, you mean Diablo one point one? Yeah, I mean graphically. I mean like a. So first of all, I can run it higher than eight hundred by six hundred resolution. What? No, I can run at almost any resolution as far as I could tell. Anything that was supported by my my laptop. So I right. was at like eight. So I don't know some ten by nine resolution of, I don't know nineteen thousand by five hundred or some crazy. I I can never right. remember. I can, now that the resolutions have gone into the Four-digit numbers. I can't remember what they. That's what a lot of digits to remember. Um, the game. I mean, it just it looked gorgeous. But this the plain the main gameplay mechanic of right. I can just click on shit with my mouse is still there, and it's so addictive. Right. Really? You just well, you just drive around. You drive for drive around, make the guy go away, and you just click on things you want to kill. But then there's there's also so is it like a it's still a, like kind of god perspective. Uh, it's a little bit more isometric perspective, so okay. you're down a little closer to him. Um, I've got a bigger screen now than I had. I've got more right. resolution, so there's a little bit more stuff they can cram on there. Um, you don't feel like you're playing a better version of Gauntlet? Y- exactly, right? And and it does. I mean, it's it's. there's been a lot of um, copycats of, of Diablo mm-hmm. in the 20 years <laughs> since it came out or whatever. Um and I've played a lot of them. I played Torchlight recently, um, right. which was fun. And everybody was like, "Oh no, Torchlight's like the next. It's the successor to Diablo." And I, this is not You're Torchlight. Like, it's better. No, Diablo is a successor. You're like, to no, Diablo. no. This is this is what everybody really was waiting for. Um, it, it does. It, it feels it feels like a nice clean. I can really see my character. I can mm-hmm. see him smashing things. Nice. Um, you, there's a nice seems to be a and I've only made it to like I don't know level seven or something but there seems to be a nice branching tree of hey here's the skills I want to work on here's I mm-hmm. can do this special move I can do that special move and and um, yeah then my laptop crashed so well yeah that that happens 
But uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I was pretty impressed with it. It's probably going to be the first PC game that I end up actually purchasing and playing through in wow. a really long time. Yeah, I, I've not played PC games since uh, night, well, 2001, I want to say. Uh, probably around the same time That's for me. That's about the time the Xbox came out, and I was like, exactly. you know what, I'm done. I don't, I'm, I'm fine with a single-use device that can do everything I need. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Cool, and I, I think on that topic, what we're trying to say is go play the Fez game, play Diablo yeah. 3 from the sounds of things. Yeah, yeah and, and you uh, can check out Fez. So that's the other thing that's great about the arcade games is they all have a trial version. So I didn't need to actually get you know enough playtime on Fez to decide if, whether or not I'm going to purchase it or not. Mm-hmm. It might just be too hard for me. I might not be smart enough for that. <laughs> but um, but I was able to check it out for free. And so, yeah, if you've, if you've got Xbox Live Arcade, or if you've got Xbox Live, go into the arcade, check it out. It's, yeah. it's good. And check out some of the other arcade games because Geometry Wars is awesome. Yep. Um, Love Geometry Shadow, Wars. Uh, Shadow Complex is, and Braid are both um, outstanding games. Nice. Um, Bionic Commando, uh, if you played the original Bionic Commando back in the day on your 8-bit Nintendo, uh, they made it high def, and, and it's also... Really, this is not um, Bionic Commando rearmed or whatever the the full on game that they made. Go check out the arcade version, which is which is cool, and it's it's wicked hard. It's the exact same game that came out in, which is so I don't know if you noticed. Did you back in the Nintendo days? I played things like Ninja Gaiden and yep. Bionic Commando and some of these games. Uh-huh. So which you need to go back and people like or oh my god, that was the hardest game ever. Um, actually, I think Battletoads is currently uh, owns that. But it was like, no, we just played those. They weren't they weren't that hard. And then you go back yeah. through and you play it now, and you're like, this game was fucking hard, and there was no saves, and you had to play through in one playthrough. And I don't yep. know how uh, we functioned like that as kids. I mean, other than, oh, let's just leave the Nintendo on for 72 hours, so that way I don't have to worry about saving the game. But uh, yeah, that's um, that's how we did it. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> it's like, leave um, me alone, mom, and play video games. <laughs> I know. <laughs> What are, you, are you guys? Did you go to bed last night? Yes. <laughs> Seven o'clock in the morning. You're still like, ah. yeah. That's how I learned to share. Because you learn. Okay. You, well, I'll you play this guy, and when you die, then we'll, I'll, it'll be my turn. Okay. Cool. We'll you play single player games, and you. Yeah, those are the good old days. And uh, actually, with that, I think that about does it for us. Do you have anything more to say this week, Matt? No, I think uh, about wraps it up for me. Oh yeah! Look at that. I was actually able to execute it quickly. Nice this time. drop. Yeah. Um, so keep keep listening. Next week we'll have some more drops. We'll have some more fun. And, uh, and yeah. like us on Facebook at oh, yeah. uh, facebook.com, The Tech Garage. Great. We'll see you guys all next week. 